If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. We have a mission to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers and that's what these chats are all about. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Today's guest is Wendy Murdoch. How are you, Wendy? I'm good, thanks. Good. Wendy, look, we normally start off with a favourite quote. Just gets people to know you a little bit more, to find out a bit more about you. What favourite quote would you like to use? Oh, tonight, actually, given what you just said, I kind of, it changes what I want to use as my favorite quote. <laughs> but that's good, isn't it? You know, yeah, if it changes, yeah. that just means that the whole time you're learning, you're expanding, you're, you're open to new ideas. So it doesn't matter that it changes, but I'm sure that the types of quotes that you like will still talk about you as a person and your uh, philosophy with horses. So please go ahead. Yeah. So my the quote that comes to mind tonight is make the impossible possible, the possible easy, and the easy elegant. Okay. And that's by Dr. Moisha Feldengrace. Yes, yes. Okay. And I think that itself, you know, is saying we're, we're striving to make things better, make the world a better place, not just for us, but for the horses as well. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Now, Wendy, just talking about the Murdoch method, and I know that you as a clinician go out and teach, and we've had quite a few coaches on the show and, you know, everyone's got a little bit of a different idea. Everyone's, you know, heading in the same direction, but everyone's going to put their own personality, their own training. But there's something else that that you also incorporate within your teaching and that is the sure foot pads, you know, and I'm really interested in that. So do you want to tell us a little bit about what gave you, if we start off with what gave you the idea for the sure foot pads? You know, because that itself, it's like new technology. It's something new and it's something different. And that's what I want to talk about. Yeah. And it's what it's so exciting to me. So I think it fits in with the quote that I just gave you is um, I got exposed to Dr. Feldenkrais and the Feldenkrais method in 1985 from Linda Tellington Jones. Mm -hmm. And I wound up living in Australia for a year in 87, 88, because I traveled to Australia with uh, Linda's sister, Robin Hood. I was supposed to be there six weeks and I stayed a year. Okay. But the Feldenkrais method has influenced my life in many ways. And one of the things behind it is to be curious and open and interested and, you know, asking questions. And so that's a philosophy that I approach writing everything I do. The Murdoch method is a compilation of everything that I've learned up until the point that it's like the kitchen sink. <laughs> um, yep. And so um, that I trained in the Feldenkrais method for 16 years. Uh, in starting in 2001. Mm -hmm. And I was, I'm always doing this lesson with my students called the board under the foot, where I take a stable platform and I put it under the rider's foot when the foot's out of the stirrup. And it's so simple and it's so profound. And it's what I want to teach every riding instructor because it totally changes the rider and their feeling, the way their leg rests, the way their foot rests in the stirrup. So I was always trying to figure out, you know, how can I do something like this for the horses? Because it's so profound to the riders. I mean, to a rider mm. that some people just want me to do that. And so I um, 
I had a horse that I saw, and I would see him two days a month, every Monday, Tuesday, once a month. And the rider had changed the saddle the previous month. And when she came back, the horse was lame in the right hind leg. Well, I took the saddle off and looked at it, and it was crooked. And it obviously had pressure there. So that night I went home, and I was talking to my, my dear friend, Dr. Joyce Harmon, who's a holistic veterinarian. And she wanted to stand at her desk instead of sit. And this is six years ago where standing desks weren't popular yet. Mm-hmm. But she wanted to stand on some kind of pad. And then she started telling me about how they were putting dogs on pads for, for physical rehab. And I was looking on my computer and seeing these pictures. And I said to her, I said, have, have they ever done this with a horse? And she said, no, I don't think so. And so I said, well, she knew the horse that I was had seen that day that was lame. And so I, I tell you know, I have Dante and he has this lameness in the right frame. You know, you think something like this would help. And she's like, I don't know, but just time it for 15 seconds. So mm-hmm. I grabbed something out of my shed and I drove to the lesson and I picked up his hind foot. Of course, all my students used to be doing whatever, you know, yep. they're pretty game. <laughs> and, um, and I stuck this pad underneath his foot and I timed it for 15 seconds and it changed my life in 15 seconds. Wow. This horse walked off sound and it, it was so... I mean, it was mind-blowing. And then I, the next horse I had, the next lesson was a quarter horse, and the woman wanted to event him, and he had that kind of really poor canter, the lope. And, you know, lope, it mm-hmm. wasn't really moving yep. for eventing. And so we put pads under his feet, and we have this beautiful canter. And then <sighs> the next horse is a friend of mine. I know it's like I'm watching this one. I'm yeah, kidding. Yeah. Um, and sh- and. She had a halflinger, and she's also a Feldenkrais practitioner. She's a physical therapist. She's a great friend. She has um, a halflinger, and I did the same thing, and his canner totally changed. So, so now I'm like hooked, and I call up my friends and I, you know some people that have dressage horses. Mm. And I'm like, can I come over and stick things underneath your? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, sure. My friends are so good, <laughs> um, and. That's where Surefoot got started. I mean, I've been doing this for almost seven years now. And Mm. the way I look at it is the horses are just waiting waiting for us to say something that's profound and meaningful to them. Yeah. We think what we do is profound to them, right? Yeah. But when we do something that really is meaningful, it's so obvious Mm -hmm. and it takes so little. So, Yeah. 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 (laughs) <laughs> well, and, and a lot of coaches are, they're, you know, open and they're saying, I just want to learn more. And the fact that you've, you know, you ring up your friends with the dressage horses and say, can I stick these pads on? You know, because you want to learn more and you want to expand the ideas and find out how it can help. Yeah. What do you yeah. think is the reason that it helps? Oh, that's a million dollar question. So, so one of the first things I did was start calling up friends of mine. So Dr. Hillary Clayton, who used to be the McPhail chair at MSU, Michigan State University. I talked to her and Bob Bowker is a PhD neuroscientist who's up there. He's now retired. Um, Joyce Harmon. I just started talking to everybody I could and go, what do you think's going on? And um, Stephen Peters is a neuropsychologist. He's written a book called Evidence-Based Horsemanship. I spent Mm -hmm. eight hours with him. He studies people's brains and he's written this book about horse brains. And he says, you have found a channel, some sort of neurochemical channel from the foot to the brain because we see literally changes in under 10 seconds. We see breathing changes. We see softening, relaxation. Now, granted, it's not across the board. It's not every horse. However, the bell curve is the majority of horses. You see a breathing change in under 10 seconds. 
you see relaxation, you see neck lowering, eye blinking, ear softening. You see the horse switching from the fight and flight reflex, the sympathetic nervous system, to the parasympathetic. And Bob Bowker talks to me about all these uh, receptors that are in the foot. So the horse, you, you have to think of the foot as a sensory organ and not just something that meets the ground. It's not like your shoe. Mm-hmm. It's really a sensory organ and there's all these receptors in there because when you think about especially in australia because i've been there you know you look at these horses running across the open plains or open land and then you put a rider on their back and then you think a snowy river right Mm. and how that horse can stay upright that those feet are have to give such exquisite and rapid feedback to the brain so the brain can organize the system and make sure that this thing doesn't fall down and so when you start to think of it in those terms the fact that we ride horses is incredible, and the fact that the horse can, you know, go over huge jumps and, you know, over all kinds of terrain and carry us and, you know, be upright is so amazing. So you, you start to realize that this foot is more than just a foot. This foot is a huge sensory organ and a feedback system to the brain so that everything can respond and properly and timing. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. The more I talk to people, the more you realize that I'm just, for, for however it's happening, and we're not, we're still not sure because I'm just now starting to get people to do some studies on it. Um, there's there's something, and and I've been in Holland, I've been in all different footing surfaces with people spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on footing, and they put the horse on a, on a pad, and he changes. Mm. So if it was simply the footing, this wouldn't happen. I mean, that's one of the things that's so unique about it is, you know, people spend so much money on good footing. So why doesn't good footing cause this response? And we can't answer that. But it's obvious. I mean, it's and this is the thing about sure foot is, you know, I tell people, oh, I stick foam pads underneath the horse's foot and he changes. And they look at me and go, um, yeah, <laughs> I'll talk to you later. <laughs> um, but when they see it, when they see a horse, close their eyes and sway and yawn and move completely different in 10 seconds. And I've literally moved completely different in 10 seconds. There's no doubt. I mean, there's, you have to see it to really believe it. And, um, there's a number of people, uh, I don't know if you know, Robin, what's Robin's last name? She's over there in Australia. She's a physical therapist and she was working on an endurance ride, only had a few minutes to help these horses mm-hmm. and put them on the surefoot pads. And made, I mean, she, she called me up. She was like, I can't believe this. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And these horses, these are horses that have got shoes on? Shoes and shoe and barefoot and in okay. boots. I've okay. had horses in, um, you know, like, like boots we put on to protect their feet mm-hmm. when you ride them. Yep. And you think, how can I feel anything through that? And they do. Mm. You know, I, I think that's why I'm still so passionate about it is because it's so fascinating. And every horse I put on, it's like, oh, how's this horse going to respond? What's this rider going to feel? Because I love to do it with the rider on the horses because they feel all the little changes. Oh, so the riders can feel it as well. Everything. Yeah. They feel every, And then they feel the horse move different, right? Mm-hmm. And. One of the reasons I do that with the rider on, it's kind of my day job is teaching riding, right? But yeah, one yeah. of the reasons for doing that, I want the rider to sense their horse in a whole new light. Yep. In other words, you can watch your horse relax standing on a pad. But when mm. you're sitting on the horse and you feel how he sways and shifts and reorganizes, and then you feel how different he moves when he gets off, 
suddenly your whole uh, perception of your horse changes. And instead of going, oh, he always falls through the left shoulder or he always fill in the blank, suddenly you feel this horse thinking about how his feet are touching the ground and experimenting with his stride and experimenting with the way he moves and, I mean, literally exploring. You suddenly realize they're, they're, they're right there. I mean, they're as conscious, they can be, as conscious as we are. And again, it's the awareness when we bring the horse's awareness to the way he's standing, his posture, his balance, the way his foot meets the ground, he becomes a self-adjusting, basically. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I kind of think of it as like we're restoring the horse in a way. Because when, when you realize that a horse is born and can get up and it can run, and I was just, I take people to horseback safari in Africa, and we saw a foal that was hours old and still wobbly, and in 15 minutes, it was trotting around and starting to run, and you're like, wow. Mm, so that, mm. that's hardwired in the brain. But then something happens to the horse. He gets kicked in the field. He falls down. He has a bad-fitting saddle. The shoeing wasn't so great. He got an injury. And they start to form habit patterns just like we do. And the thing with habit patterns is that that becomes the established pattern if you do it long enough. Like if you limp for a few weeks, pretty soon you're limping and you don't feel it, but people can see it. Yeah. And so it becomes sort of integrated. And I think one of the things Surefoot does with these horses is it sort of brushes away the habit and resets the system back to the way it was before. It's, I mean, it's a guess because I have mm-hmm. no way of proving that. Um, but... I see it. I can see it happen. Yeah. Is this like, you know, say you've got horses and I'm thinking of the one with the saddle that was lame that you brought in. Is it like a long term, you just stand the horse there for a few minutes or 15 seconds or whatever it is and then it's right or does it need to happen on a regular basis? Does someone need to do this as a regular thing just to to have them stand on the pads to keep them moving freely and moving you know I'm thinking about the horse whose movement changed the lope you know went from a lope to right. to be able to do a collective canter is that something they would need to do every day or is this something that the horse learns and all of a sudden it's okay or how does that work so this is where it's it's really individual when you mm-hmm. get to this Part. And it, and it also depends on what you're doing. Yep. So example, um, I had one horse that had had Lyme disease. I, uh, it's a tick-borne disease. It's very prevalent over here. It can affect their muscles, their joints, and their nervous system. And after being treated, she was carrying her head when she trotted to the right. Literally, her head was horizontal to the ground instead of vertical. We did one 40-minute session. She's on video that I have. Yeah. One session, the next day I needed her for another DVD. She was perfect. Head straight, walked trot canter both directions, never looked back, went to be a school horse, never went back. Mm. I've had other horses where they've had an injury very early on as a foal and then had bad training from a kind of a not so great trainer. And that horse has to see the pads frequently, like several times a week. Mm-hmm. And it's taken us a couple of years. Now we saw some immediate change. But to get long-term permanent change, we've had to do this on a much more frequent basis. Then I have horses where I have a uh, Grand Prix dressage rider, and she uses this not every day, but she has the pile of pads in the corner. The horses come into the arena. She puts them on pads. She puts them on a variety. You know, she has all the pads, and she puts different pad patterns underneath the feet. Because you want to keep changing it to kind of keep the interest up. 
Yep. And she even does her stretches with the horses on the pads. Mm-hmm. And she takes the pads to the horse shows, puts the horses on the pads in the stall before the performance, and okay. then goes and shows, and she wins. Mm-hmm. So other horses might be uh, nervous, and so you've gone somewhere, and they're anxious, and you stick them on pads, and they calm down again. So it, it, that's one of the things that I just I really love about this, but it's also hard for people to grasp that it's it's another tool in your kit, and you can use it to you can sprinkle it into what you're already doing. Yep. You can use it as a treatment all by itself. You can um, carry it with you wherever you go because it's lightweight and portable. Yeah. You don't have to do every foot all the time. Um, it's it's it becomes very creative, but the really there's my kitty <laughs> on on the curb. Um, well, we thought the cat would want to be part of the show. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Maybe did say that. Buster Buster would show up. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, but the the thing is, it's the horses. And this is what I love. The horses start to show the people what they want, which foot, how long, which density. Um, and in a school horse setting, I have I have one woman. She has two 30-year-old horses, and they both stopped twisting their hocks after using Surefoot for, uh, you know. Mm. One of them wants it a lot, right? He goes over to the pile of pads with the student on, shows them which foot. They put the pads under his foot, and then he does his lesson. Yep. And the other one only likes it, like, every few months, mm-hmm. right? And they both stop twisting their hocks. Okay. Um, you know, so one horse I know every time that horse is groomed for an entire year, I haven't seen the woman since that, so I don't know if this has continued, but every single time she grooms the horse for a year, she puts one pad underneath the right front foot and the horse loves it. Not the left front foot, only the right front foot. <laughs> so when you start to give them a voice, and this is what's so uh, I, you know, another factor about Surefoot is the horse gets to show you. They get to to pick and choose which pad, which foot, how long, and they get very clear about it. Like, I'll put a foot on a pad, right, and then I'll go around and I might have a second pad because you can do up to four feet, but it's not necessary. Mm. You know, again, it's a process, and the horse shows you. But I'll walk over to another foot and I'll go to pick it up, and it's like, nope, not that one. And then mm. I'll go to a back foot, and, and the horse picks it up for me. Yeah. So. Yeah. They start to show me what they want. They know their body better than I do. Mm-hmm. They know what mm-hmm. they need. My job is to facilitate that process and listen yeah. and explore with them. And and when they're done, it's really obvious, too. They're like, nope, sorry, I, I don't want to stand on that yeah. anymore. Now, the pads yeah. themselves, you don't have to plug them in. They're not electronic or anything like that, are they? That, like you can take them out to a show, pull up, and just yep. have That's them. one yeah. of the things. Like people say, well, what about, you know, they ask me like the the vibrating plate and stuff like that. Well, I'm like, it's not portable. Yeah. So one of the key things here, lightweight, portable, you can stack them, you know, they can sit out in the rain. They're, they're quite durable. That's one of the things that I, when I started to, so I created the category and I was using other things that were getting, I was destroying things in yeah, a day because yeah, yeah. they weren't designed to handle, handle mm-hmm. horses. Mm-hmm. So you know, the pads will get nicked and cut, you know, little slices and that sort of thing. But sure. they're warranted against breaking. They're warranted against delamination. And, yeah. I mean, I have pads that, you know, have really been through the mill and they and they hold up. And that's yeah. the key. That's important, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it becomes a tool in your kit. They're lightweight, portable. They're, you know, they're quite durable. Don't let mm. your horse chew on them. That's <laughs> 
some horses want to bite them. Okay. All right. Well, what we'll do then, we'll uh, we'll give people your contact details at the end anyway. It'll be on horsechats.com slash Wendy Murdoch, and you can find out a little bit more about those pads. But, Wendy, I've got a couple of questions just to ask you anyway, and this is, you know, as you say in your day job, taking off the – Pads, because I was really interested about them and I wanted to find out about right. them and also talk about you, you know, because I know that you go and you teach a lot of clinics, but just thinking about if people work with horses, just generally work with horses, what sort of core skills do you think they need to be, you know, to be a horse person? What makes a horse person? What makes it so that they connect with the horse, that they understand the horse, the type of person, if you were going to employ someone that may not have a great deal of knowledge, but what sort of core skills, what sort of person would you want them to be? Well, you know, the ones that that I see are, they're Typically, they're probably maybe not a noisy person. They're a quiet person, mm-hmm. but they're a very observant person. Yep. So, you know, if, if I have somebody that's observant and can see, oh, that, you know, that horse laid down today when yesterday he was over there. Mm. I mean, that person already has a sense of reading the environment and reading yep. the horses. And mm-hmm. that person can, can be developed. Um, obviously, you have to have you know, a desire to be around horses and to be interested in them. But the person who is, is um, you know, observant yes. is really important. Yes. And so, you know, that's the thing is I, I get some people and I try to show them surefoot and they're, they're not observant at all. And mm. so you're like, it's like, okay, you know. But, yes. <laughs> but the person yes. that can, that's sensitive, that can see things, that can feel things. You, know, you put your hand on a horse and go, oh, second there's a bump here that wasn't there before but i do that on my cats all the time right we have to check the ticks so you know but that kind of person that's sensitive observant they're they're the ones that are going to see the subtle changes aren't they subtle changes in the horse and the horse is going to they're going to be able to communicate better because they'll notice those just very subtle little signs that the horse is giving yeah and mm. and those always happen before, you know, I mean, there's always, like a horse, the first thing that happens is they lose suspension. If you have your dressage horse and the rider goes, the horse feels flat. That's yeah. the thing to pay attention to, yes. right? Yes. But the horse who can't, person who can't feel that, they're going to ride the horse into the ground. Okay. Thinking about, you know, you go out and you teach, what's a common problem? You know, just say you, you're going, you're doing a new clinic in a new area. What would be a common problem that the rider could fix? You know, because thinking that horse chats is about education, education in the horse industry. What's something that, that the listeners can learn as a rider? What would you like to teach them? The, 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 and it's worldwide. Mm. People do not know where their actual hip joints are. Okay, They know where their hip like they think of the top of their pelvis where their belt sits. That's culturally what we call the hip, mm-hmm. but it's not where that joint is. And the horse, I'll guarantee, the horse knows the difference between when you function knowing where your hip joints are or not. And so it's actually really quite simple. The hip joint is where the leg meets the pelvis. So if you just follow up your leg and you find the crease of your pants and you slide your hand inward and they're a lot closer together than you think, um, and just move your knee a little bit left and right. You got to look for the joint, not okay. the top of the pelvis. 
right? And so one, that's one of I teach it universally. It doesn't matter what country I'm in, what language they speak. Yep, yep. <laughs> you know, everywhere I go, mm-hmm. I I teach people where their hip joints are, and I probably would say that ninety to ninety five percent of people do not know. Okay. That okay. Five percent truly know where their hip joints are. It's the largest joint in your body. It's as a and I don't know what it is in centimeters. It's two inches in diameter in 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 mm-hmm. U.S. terms. And it's the closest joint to the horse because it's just just above the sit bone. Yep. So in all contact, and I don't care if you ride bridalists, all contact begins and ends in the hip joint. Mm-hmm. If you're fluid in your hips, your hands will be so much better. And if you're stiff in your hips, I don't care if you take the bridle off. It's still harsh to the horse. Because you have to think of that. You're sitting on their back. You can mm-hmm. get rid of the bridle. You can let go of the reins. But you're still sitting on his back. Yep. So if people would just go and find their hip joint, okay, <laughs> it okay. would really make a difference. Okay, yeah. so yeah. so just it's, take take us down a little bit further. So say someone's right, you know, they they found out where the hip joint is. How can they mm-hmm. absorb the movement? How can they um, improve their riding by knowing what they what do they need to do once they found the hip joint? They need to allow the hip, knee, and ankle to absorb the horse's motion because okay. those are the primary shock absorbers. Yep. Yep. So if you're bracing against the stirrups, you have restricted those three joints, mm-hmm. those three primary shock absorbers. So so many people, that's the other thing that's commonly taught is heels down, but we've lost the function of heels down and we've gone to the effort of heels down. Yes, the forcing. So everybody. Yep. Yep. Right. They brace against the stirrup, and that stiffens those three shock absorbers, and that causes the horse to stiffen and hollow. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to know where your hip joint is to allow that joint to move, but, you know, most people know where their knee is. So, it, you know, that's not what I have to teach so much, right? Yes, yes. Um, yeah. But allowing those joints to move to absorb the motion of the horse, that's okay. just, it's huge. Yep, yep, yep. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. All right. Now, now when you've got, and I know that you teach, you know, a wide variety of people or a wide variety of horses, but what's a good exercise for people to do with their horses? You mean in general for all disciplines? Yeah, yeah. Probably ride them more, actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many people, you know, they ride for 20 minutes or a half an hour and they think their horse is fit, but he's yeah. really not. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, now I'm not talking about it's, and but also for people, like when I was a kid, I rode my horse's shoes off its feet. Mm-hmm. And now I realize how valuable that was to me because just spending those hours in the saddle, I used to ride down the road singing to my horse. Okay. You're telling me a secret. <laughs> but as a kid, that's what I do. And just, just those hours in the saddle, you relax. But if you only go out to like, like train or to yeah. work or you okay. have a half an hour, yeah, you know, I don't think, you know, if people just rode their, first of all, in our country, a lot of horses are really overweight because they're not getting enough exercise. Um, but it's kind of that quality, quiet time, yeah. you know? Yeah. Again, it's sort of, it's not going out and just galloping for an hour. It's going out and spending some quality time and just kind of softening to your horse mm-hmm. um, and and feeling his movement. I mean, I, I know that sounds super simple, 
I could give you other things. Um, and maybe in Australia, they ride for longer. Uh, but here it's really, you know, people don't spend enough time actually on their horses, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to get, co- to really get comfortable. Yep. You know, I, 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 like I said, I look back now and I realize all those hours just because, you know, what did, what did the, the cavalry do? They had to ride a hundred miles with three inches between their girth and the horse. And they mm-hmm. rode, their horse was their, their transportation, but he was their best friend. And I think we kind of want to intellectualize our relationship instead of actually spending that time. Yeah. 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 And as you say, you, you know, even just going out for a walk and just feeling, just feeling the horse underneath you, yeah. being able to breathe, relax. Yep. Yep. What about if you're doing, you know, you to a clinic, a, a favorite warm up type exercise, you know, one that you might start, you haven't seen the horses before. Everyone's saying, right, well, what do I do? But, but as a, um, a warm up, like you're still assessing the horse and riders, what's a warm up exercise you might do? Um, uh, under saddle? Yeah. So, um, I just, I'm filming an online jumping course, and one of the things I have people do just to get kind of relaxed into the saddle mm-hmm. is, you know, folding forward from the hips, reaching for the horse's ears, coming yep. upright, leaning back, sliding the hand down along the horse's um, hindquarters or mm-hmm. down along his shoulders, reaching down and being able to pick up your foot. You know, just kind of basic movements in the saddle that where you have to not grip but balance. And it shows a certain independence of the seat, doesn't it, doing that exercise mm-hmm. and, and confidence. Confidence to be able to do it, confidence in your own riding ability and your ability to stay on, but confidence that your horse is not going to get too upset when you do that. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now that's good. That's sort of given people a little bit more education. I think the Shorefoot was very educational. I, you know, I hadn't sort of had a lot to do with it before, but just those couple of exercises I think are really good. What are you looking forward to at the moment? You know, what are you moving on and doing in the next year or two, Wendy? <laughs> next year is going to be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in January, I'm going to Portugal. Um, it's it's a horse vacation, mm-hmm. but I'm actually going to take a vacation um, <laughs> and go ride some horses in Portugal. Yep. In February, I have two retreats in Costa Rica uh, where we go and ride on the beach. Um, that'll be a lot of fun. In March, I'm going to Equitana in Essen, Germany. It's a nine-day horse expo. And I'm working to get to Equitana. Um, I think it's going to be in Auckland in 2019 in November. They just had it. Yeah, we've just had it here. Yep, yep. We've just had it in Melbourne. It'll be Auckland, and then the year after it'll be back in Melbourne. Right. So I'm yeah. I'm been trying to get there for a few years, and I think this year I'm going to get there. Good. So that's on the <laughs> schedule, and I'm already starting conversations. So mm-hmm. um, and then just you know travel schedule in there, teaching clinics. Yeah, yeah. Look, really, yeah, really interested in. Um, Talking to you some more. I'd love to have you back, you know, particularly. Um, I'd love you know. to come back. Yeah, this is really fun. But I'm going to tell you, I love hearing your accent. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, thank you. Because, you know, like I like I said, I lived in Australia for a year and I mm. was every, I was in, um, I'm giving my age away. I was in Townsville when Cyclone Joy hit. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And that was, yeah. yeah. Um, and I haven't been back now since the late 90s. Okay. Um, but it's it's a country I just love, and I love the people. Um, and I've I met really wonderful people down there. And you know, like one of the things was I met this one one guy, and and I was like, I didn't have a place to stay, and he's like, Oh, you can come and live in my basement. I mean, it's like really, like that's 
that's what I think of when I think of Australia is it's how warm and pretty normal. welcoming everybody is. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to so, say because your accent takes me back because I lived in Florida for nearly a year. You know, so I, I really oh, okay. enjoyed my time there and, you know, travelled a little bit within that time. But, um, yeah, I he- hear that, especially the southern accent and go, oh, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, look, if you were going to sum up your philosophy in, you know, just in a couple of sentences, just to do with horses, to do with training, to do with the Murdoch method, if you were going to explain the Murdoch method in a couple of sentences, how would you do that? Well, I have I have a philosophy of safe, mm-hmm. fun, and educational in that. Order. Okay, you know I was really badly injured in '84, which is how I got into all this. Yep. Um, at this level, and you know, if if you don't feel safe, you're going to hesitate, and your horse is going to know it. Mm. And then it's got to be fun, you know. I mean, most of the people I deal with are not professionals; they're doing this because they love horses, and so yes. it's got to be fun. Yes. And and educational because you know, as long as we never stop learning, we're going to we're going to, you know, find joy in living. And I just, um, it's kind of, that's how I approach teaching. And, uh, you know, my, I've had some really great mentors in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Linda Jones, I apprenticed with Sally Swift. Mm-hmm. Um, and my Feldenkrais teacher, Mia Siegel, who, you know, lately I think a lot of her because she can walk up to anyone mm-hmm. and honestly say something to them that would just make them feel good. And it wasn't, just she'd walk up and go, that's a lovely sweater. And what I realized was it was no cost to her to get that compliment. And what it did for the other person was so amazing. Yeah. And so I think in riding, we so often focus on negative. I ask my pony club kids all the time, I said, what do you do well? Um, uh, uh, you know, and they hem and hop for like 10 minutes. What do you do that? Oh, I don't sit right. I don't do it this. Bup, 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 you know, and they can give you the litany. And I'm like, maybe we're looking at this upside down. Maybe we should look at focus on what we're doing well. Yeah, you have things that you need to improve on. We all do. Mm. But if we're constantly looking at it from what we don't do right, when do the horses ever feel good about it? Mm. When do they feel like they've been successful? If we're constantly picking on them and going, you didn't do that, you know, and you, you know, and I didn't do that right, and I didn't sit to trot, and I bounced, and I can't, you know what I mean? It's yeah. When when do we, as a partnership, go? You know what? It's not perfect, and it's okay. Yes. And we're having a good time. Yes. So that to me is really important. Yes. Wendy, how can people contact you? What's the best? It's going to be, we're going to have your details available on horsechats.com slash Wendy Murdoch, which will be your page. But for people, if they'd like yeah. to contact you direct, what's the best way? Um, my email address is wendy at wendymurdoch.com. And uh, I'm, on, I'm on WhatsApp, but I, I'm not good at that one. Okay. <laughs> Still, but probably email is the best right now. Wendy okay. at Wendy Murdoch at you know dot com. Yep. Um, and if they want to watch videos of Surefoot, I have a YouTube channel, Murdoch okay. Method. Yep. YouTube channel, or they can just put in Surefoot Equine, and they'll get a lot of video. Um, so they can see it. Perfect. Yep. All right, Wendy. Um, good to talk to you, and love to have you back again. So hopefully we'll Great. catch up with you again soon. Super, and thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352.
Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.